0: hello welcome to another edition of club shay shay i am your host shannon sharp also the proprietor of club shay shay and the guy that's coming by to have a drink and conversation today is my former boss he's also a three-time pro bowler two-time first team all pro he's an all decades 1980s tight end two-time super bowl champ as an executive national high school football uh, hall of fame college football hall of fame pro football hall of fame browns ring of honor the wizard of oz my former boss
1: Ozzy News. All my life, been grinding. All my life, sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. to swap. All my life, I've been grinding. All my life, uh, All my life, been grinding. All my life, sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. to swap. All my life, I've been grinding. All my life. Oz,
0: how you doing today, bro? I'm
2: doing good. Shannon is always uh great
0: opportunity for me and you to have a little chit chat to go back and forth <laughs> and you know what and, and I tell people I say Oz and I have a very yeah he was my boss but we're kind of like he's like my older older brother because he we're always joking and, and carrying on with one another so it is Oz it's always good to catch up with you How well, you yeah, been? Shannon, though? go ahead I, I was gonna ask you how, how have you been
2: I've been good you know uh like, I'm here in the office, as you can tell, and uh, just finished with practice and uh, was just finished watching some college tape a little bit, you know, uh, because pretty soon the draft will be here. So uh, I'm staying busy, um, enjoying what I'm doing. And uh, if you could guarantee me a victory on Sunday, I'd be a real happy
0: man. Hold on. You retired. I thought you was going to be less busy. You were going to get a chance to do more golfing. Enjoy life. It seems like yeah, you got a you got a better job, but you're working just as hard. It's cold
2: outside. I can't go play golf. You know, <laughs> when the so, weather's like this,
0: I'm better off in the office. <laughs> so, are you enjoying the new role? You transitioned. You're the executive executive vice president. So, do you enjoy the new role now? Yes,
2: I am. I, I really am. Uh, you know, Eric was with me. I think he was the second person that we hired when we moved over from Cleveland. So we got 23 years together. Uh, Steve did a great job with the transition, you know, had it set up five years in advance. So we kind of knew what was going to happen. And it's been going really good. Uh, Enjoy my relationship with John Harbaugh, Dick Cass, and Steve has just been unbelievable. And, you know, I'm still around the players all of the time. And that, that keeps you
0: young. So how, are you watching more tape than you did before? How I mean, so what's the ratio now as opposed to watching practice, watching film on college guys, free agents?
2: Uh, I, I'm doing more now because I don't have to do uh, – I don't have people walking in my office every five <laughs> minutes with, you know, some issues that they probably could handle themselves, but, you know, they always want the boss to handle it. Right. So I have more time to watch tape. Uh And uh, I enjoy going out to practices, and I watch the practice tape. So I'm doing a lot more. All of the things that I wanted to do and I couldn't do because I had all those other things to do, I'm able to do it now. Uh,
0: When I look at the 2020 Ravens, obviously 2019 was an unbelievable season for you guys. You had a great record. Lamar Jackson, the United States MVP. It didn't kind of end the way you wanted to. So when you go back and look at 2019 coming into 2020, what were some of the things that you wanted to do to make sure 2019, 2020 ended better than 2019?
2: Well, you know, I think we matured as a team in, in 2019. And that maturity uh, did not end with the way we wanted to by getting beat in the first round. But right. I think we, we learned from that. You know, you, you can learn from losing just like you can learn from winning. Correct. And so I think we did that. You know, uh, Eric and I, and our group, we did a, a good job of putting together a good roster. Uh, it was different this year because we had the 16 uh, practice squad players so we could build uh, bigger depth for our football right. teams. because you're going to need some depth uh, as you go through it. And, uh, you know, uh, in the second year with Lamar and how uh, Greg Roman and John have embraced Lamar and putting him in a role that he can be who he is. Right. And our players understand that. So we're better on defensively. You know we're still good in the secondary. You know we're starting to get some pressure, and you know with me, you know getting Kalas and Derek Wolf, you know uh, up front where we can stop the run when we have to stop the run.
0: When I, I look at you guys and I look at what you've done, you've always been a guy that that's looking to get that that veteran free agent that came that come from somewhere that's won before, that's a great locker room guy, and when things he makes sure things don't get to the head coach. They don't have to go upstairs. They can handle it within the locker room. And I believe that's the guy in Calais Campbell that you mentioned. How, what has he meant to your team? Well,
2: you know, we, we had that with you and Rob Woodson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had it with Tony Saragusa. We, we've always had that veteran player, as you just, just discussed, described that can come in and they understand our culture. And our culture is, you know, we are going to allow you to be who you are show up on time, practice hard, and play well on Sunday. Then all the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. But to have someone that come in like Calais, who was thirsty to win, you know, and he was being able to bring his leadership ability to match it with our ability to find ways to win games, it's been a great match.
0: Like it was with you. appreciate that. Uh, But you you signed Go Going to, what were you thinking when you signed Dev? Dev hadn't played in a very long time. He was coming off a very serious injury, Achilles injury. And you know, at a skilled position, especially the wide receiver, the Achilles injury is probably, is normally the death blow. It used to be the ACL, but modern medicine has made the ACL. Guys come back stronger, faster, better from ACL. But the Achilles, not so much. What was your thinking when you signed Dez, Brian? Well, you know, it was a relationship
2: that Eric had with his agent. Uh, we brought Dez in uh, seven or eight weeks before we signed him, and he came in and he worked out, and uh, you know he needed to get in football shape. Right. And we told him, you know, take the opportunity to go get yourself in football shape, shape and we'll bring you back in for another workout. That's what Eric uh, promised. Dads, and he came back in, and uh, he was in football shape. You know, and what he does, he provides a a bigger target when we get down into the red area. You know, yes. we got Marquise, and we got Duvernay, and we got Willie Sneed. But now we have a more bigger physical receiver down in the red area that can make some contested catches because, you know, things are tight when when you get down in the red area, but a guy can go up and make a contested catch.
0: You tried to sign Dan a few years ago and that didn't work out. Why did you think it not work out then had he not gotten over being released? Because a lot of times, uh, you and I have talked about this in the past, when guys have been in a situation for an extremely long period of time, it's tough. When a team releases you, it's almost like a relationship. You're like the shock of I'm no longer a cowboy. I'm no longer a patriot. I'm no longer this. Do you think that has something to do with it? Uh, No question. No question it did. Uh, You know, I think
2: he was in shock by getting released. You know, he needed to take some time for this. And, you know, to jump right in this situation that uh, we were offering him, he just wasn't comfortable with You know, and he, and he took the, a whole year off, a year and a half off. And then, uh, obviously, he signed with the Saints. But, uh, you know, those things happen, you know. But I think a relationship was built with Dez during that time. A trust factor was built with him. And so when it came time for him to try to come back to play football, then he
0: picked up the phone and called Eric. I'm looking at you. The last you, – you, you've been great at this, and we'll talk about this – Your last draft, the last player you selected in the first round was Lamar Jackson. What did you see, Ozzy, in him that would make you trade back into the first round to select him because he's anything but prototypical? Why were you so convinced we need this guy and we'll build the fortress around him? We're going to play to his strength, not bring him in and make him play to ours.
2: Well, you know, uh, you have to give the owner, Steve Busciotti, uh, you know, there was a draft that had five quarterbacks, I think, going the first round, start with Baker at the beginning. And, uh, and Steve, you know, knew it was time for us to start to look toward moving away from Joe. Okay. And he felt like that class was a, a good enough class to do it. And what we did uh, with the first pick, we were able to get a, a tight end, as you know. Right. And uh, Hayden Hurst. So that was going to help us in the immediate. You know, you know, we, Joe likes to throw the tight ends. Right. So that was going to help us in the immediate. But then we saw an opportunity. Uh, Eric had did his homework and we uh, he knew Philly was thinking about moving out. They wasn't very happy with who they saw on the board at that point. And we had some additional uh, resources with some extra picks. Mm-hmm. So we made the phone call. They were willing to do it. And uh, we got Lamar in, you know, just saying, hey, you're a quarterback. You're going to come here and play quarterback but uh, I think you have to give all the credit to John Harbaugh to Greg Roman and those guys, because in that second year, they said, Hey, we are going to do what Lamar do. We're not going to turn him into Joe Montana or Dan Marino. We're going to allow Lamar to be who Lamar is. And you know what? He's a tremendous talent. He's an unbelievable person. And you know, we as, when you get in our business, Shannon, as you know, you play to a player's strength. Correct. You know, and that's what we did with Lamar. And you know what? It, it, it changed the game a little bit. And I think there are going to be more quarterbacks that are going to be coming out that's going to be like Lamar. And I think he's now the trendsetter.
0: Ozzy, you know, so many people make the mistakes. You have a system. And you're like, well, this is my system. This is what I this is what I run offensively. This is what I run defensively. But you know, the really good coaches, they find a way and says, okay, this is what you do well, I'm gonna let you do that. If this is what you do well, I'm gonna let you do that. And for you, for you guys to take Lamar and says, Okay, you're quarterback, and for Greg Roman to build a system around this young man's strength, not a whole lot of people were willing to do that. Because that's what you had to do. If you make him a prototypical quarterback, I don't know if he he he. He can succeed at being. He would not like
2: he's ascended. Yeah, right. but Shannon, you and I both know if they would have had us blocking uh, five techniques and nine <laughs> techniques and not throwing us some balls, I see how you shaking your head. Then they'd be it wasting was a time. I, It wasn't going to work out. Yeah, but
0: hard. you know, like I
2: said, all that credit goes to 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 Greg and John having the willingness to say, "Hey, we are going to do this," and you know what? And it. It enhanced Lamar, and Lamar even had more buy-in because you know people weren't trying to change him.
0: You mentioned John Harbaugh, and you was on, on staff when you hired John. What was it about John? Because special teams coaches don't normally get hired; they're normally former head coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. You don't normally hire a special teams coach to be a, a head coach, and that's what John Harbaugh's background w- w- uh, was in. And you guys, you and Steve Bashotti, you like, this is our guy.
2: Well, you know, the, the, the special team coach, you know, they deal with that 52nd and 53rd player the whole time. Yes. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out every week who are the best guys that they can get to be able to go out and perform. So they understand the mechanics of the roster. You right. know, And that's huge when you're dealing with, with a, a new head coach. He understands that, you know, we need to keep that eighth off of offensive lineman or ninth offensive lineman. We can't have that great special teams player we want. So he understood that. But but the other thing that John did that last year before we got him, he went and coached the secondary. So we had someone that was coming in the building that, number one, was probably the best special teams coach of his time, but had also spent time on defense. So this is a guy that can walk into two rooms and be able to fix some things. And then, of course, you know his dad was a, a longtime coach. His brother was co- so it was football. You know, his his do- his sister married a, a basketball coach. Right. Uh, uh, coaching in college. So you know, it, it was it was all about football, sports, coaching, and uh, you know what? And it has been an unbelievable hire. And he's an unbelievable person. Uh, with him, his wife, Ingrid,
0: and their daughter, Allison. You talk about that, Avi. You talk about the relationship because, you know, you and I, early, early in my career, I was on special teams. Ain't nobody really tried to play special teams. Everybody's trying to be the start on offense. Everybody's trying to be the start on defense. And for him to be able to take all those personalities, he's like, guys, I understand that you want to be in a different room playing offense, catching touchdowns, running the ball, or getting the sacks or getting interceptions but this is a third of what we do. And to get guys to buy in, I think that's the biggest thing for a head coach is to have communication and to convince the guys to believe in what he's saying.
2: No question about that. And, and you can't teach that. You know, you, you have that. And the thing that, you know, because I didn't remember you are a pretty good special team. If you're a good special teams player, then you're probably going to be a good position player on either offense or defense. Yep. Because you realize, you know, this is my time Well, I'm on special teams when I'm young and I'm going to be good at that. Then that helps you to be good at that. But yeah, but having John, having all of those understandings and and dealing with the different personalities because, you know, you got, you know, first round defensive backs be like, no, I don't want to play on those special teams. (laughs) But you have
0: to be able to get them to play on special teams because it is one third of the game. Uh, you look at, you started this, you the first started this in 1996. And there are very few people that can say, I've drafted a Hall of Famer. Your claim to fame, you've already, you've drafted three Hall of Famers. If Suggs is probably going to be the fourth, and if Lamar continue on the path, this will be five. What's your thought process when you go into the draft looking for a player? Is it, is it tape? Is it game? Is it field? Is it talking to the guy? What is it that made you in 1996 says, Jonathan Ogden, And Ray Lewis, because when you guys moved from Cleveland to Baltimore, the popular pick, everybody wanted Lawrence Phillips. You wanted somebody that could sell tickets, but you like an offensive lineman, an offensive lineman don't sell tickets.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but, you know, uh, we spent a lot of time building our board. You know, uh, it starts, it actually starts uh, a month after the the draft where, you know, scouts have to do uh, grades on the upcoming seniors. Okay. And so you have nine months worth of work and when we were in that draft and you know, it was no doubt that the number one player was Jonathan Ogden okay. and, you know, uh, Kevin Hardy, we liked him, he goes, Simeon Rice goes, you know, and we're sitting there and yeah, Mr. Modell wanted us to take, you know, Lawrence Phillips, but if you're going to start something, which we were starting, And then you have people believe in what you're doing. And if you're going to rate someone to be the highest rated player, you can't pass them. Even though we had Tony Jones, who you played with. I played with you both. But we could not pass, you know, and that set the board. And, of course, as we get to Ray, you know, then we we were lucky enough to have that second pick in the the first round. Mm -hmm. And he was the highest rated guy at that time. So that set the tone is, hey, do all your work, you know, get your board set and stay true to the board.
0: You, when I look at, I mean, obviously, and these guys are transcendent. Arguably, you make the case that Ray Lewis is the greatest middle linebacker to ever play the game. One of the greatest defensive players, Ed Reed, in my estimation, is the greatest free safety, strong free, whatever you want to rate it. He's the greatest free safety I've ever played against and ever taken off on, on tape. What is it? What is it that convinces? Okay, Jonathan Ogden should be the number one player on the. If I were the number one pick. Hey, we take Jonathan out. what is it about uh, a guy? What is it that you see? Shannon, the guy's a football player.
2: <laughs> We're playing football. Right. At the end of the day, you, you got your, your measurables. You got all your uh, psychological testing. You got all your interviews. But at the end of the day, is the guy a football player? Can he play and football? Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes was a football player. Yes. Young Yonder was a football player. Jermaine Lewis was a football player. So, you know, at the end of the day, you have to get a guy that's a football player and forget about some of the other metrics that we use. Is he a football player? And if he's a football player, he's going to play for
0: you. I forgot Yandy is going to end up in the Hall of Fame too because all those Pro Bowls and first-team All-Pros. So you're going to – and guess what? You're going to end up going in the Hall of Fame again as a contributor. I I had – I thought I had it. I thought I had you. You're going to have two to one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, but, but Shannon,
2: you know, you and I on the same cul-de-sac already, man, you know.
0: <laughs> but you see, know, now you get to move into cul-de-sac. another building, you will have two houses in the same subdivision.
2: <laughs> well, you know, hey, we just going to enjoy them first ones, okay? <laughs> you know, let's enjoy those first ones, you know. But if, if it ever happens, it'll be the shortest speech in the history of the Hall of Fame. Because <laughs> I'd have to sit there and listen to all the rest of them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> hey. And, uh, I don't know. If, uh, hopefully, we have it. But you, man, can you imagine with all the guys that they missed twenty twenty, and they're coming back in twenty twenty one? Man, that thing might have to start at five o'clock in the morning and go to midnight. <laughs> hey, but they say you have to, we got to pack a lunch. And we gonna be there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's gonna be a lot of people on that stage dozing off, Ozzy. <laughs> so, do, how do you? Feel, how do you feel about this season? Do you like where you are? Obviously, you like to win a few more games, but I'm looking at you guys—the last two, three weeks of the season. This is the best you look all year.
2: Well, uh, Shannon, you know the, uh, it's been a, a, a atypical season with the coronavirus, right? I mean, and you know all the different protocols. You know, there's a lot of anxiety away from the football field because of dealing with COVID-19. You know, and today you can do this and tomorrow you may not be able to do it. So all 32 clubs have had to deal with that. And, you know, and we went through that situation where we, I think, had 19 guys that was uh, not able to play because of COVID. But, you know, we made it through that. We weathered that storm. And right now, you know, uh, you know, I think the guys feel like that, hey, we got to this point last year and we didn't take the next step. And it was probably 80, 90% of the team was on that 14 and two team last year. So I think they're looking forward to taking this year and going one step further.
0: Uh, let's get back to you. Let's get back to go back to where it started. You grew up in Alabama, a small town called Muscle, Alabama. Um, you worked in the cotton fields. What is it about your, a lot of your, your childhood? What do you remember most? Well,
2: you know what is that uh, you need to work, you know, hard work pays off, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, what you and I endured was nothing that our parents had to endure with segregation and integration and all of that. And and the things that that started changing when you and I were coming along, but it didn't change for them. But you know what, they never gave up from being good people, good hardworking people, that loved each other, and so those things that you just carry with you, you know, and I saw it, you know, as I was growing up and things started changing when I was coming up. You know, I could go to a a predominantly white school. I could go and play little league baseball. That didn't happen with my older brother and with my parents. So I saw things changing and I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate the past. Is it some bitterness? Yes, there's a lot of bitterness. But I appreciate the past, and that past has helped me to get to where
0: I am today. Uh, a lot of times when, when I talk to kids today, I said, "Do find something to do as a child, because that'll tell you what you want to do or don't want to do as an adult. Growing yeah. up how I grew up, I knew I didn't want to work on no farm and do what my grandfather did. I knew <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to exactly. work in no a factory. I <laughs> didn't want to do any of that. So all the things that I did as a child, it let me know what I didn't want to do as an adult. I agree with you 100% man. I, hey, I
2: always want to take care of these hands, man. You know you,
0: <laughs> Ozzie, you I, I I I mentioned that you grew up in Alabama and you were uh, of age when the Edmund Pettus when what Bloody Sunday happened on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, what happened in, in a uh also the uh the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham. What do you remember about those incidents? Did did your parents well, you pass You know, at that point you, you talk, you're talking You
2: talking you talking about being eight and ten and eleven years old, but yeah, I was aware of that. But what you did, you watch your parents and how they handle that. Okay. You know, and what they did, they just kept us closer together. You know, and then you know what you learn how to bite your tongue. You know, you learn what battles that you had to fight. You know, right? You couldn't fight every battle. You know, so so you learn that from being in those situations and seeing what was going on. But you know, it was about uh, it was about the family. The neighborhood and all of those things, where everybody took care of each other. Right, that's on the only way we can make it.
0: I'm looking at this, in in 1972, you take your team, you take your football team to the state championship, your basketball team. You ask him, you you was a hoop hobby? I ain't know you was a hoop. Hey,
2: if I was if I was instead of being six three, if I was been six five or six six, I'd be in the NBA. You know, but I was six foot three. You know, and, hey, And I learned a long time. You can't be six foot three trying to play in the paint. You know, it
0: just (laughs) don't work. So you go to, obviously, at at that time, there's two. If you're in Alabama and you're a great football player, for the more time than not, at that point in time, you're not leaving the state. You're going to Alabama or you're going to Auburn. Obviously, Coach Bryant is at Alabama. What made you decide to go to Alabama?
2: Well, you know, uh, I was in the uh, I think the fourth or fifth class of African Americans that was allowed to go to Alabama. Okay. You know, uh, Wilbur and uh, and John Mitchell had just graduated the year I came in as a freshman. Okay. And they were only selecting a few of us at that time. You know, and each class there was an even number, which means because we could you know uh, room together. Right. You know, so there was a lot of things that people didn't realize that was going on during that time. (laughs) <laughs> but I committed to go to Auburn because you talked about that 72 high school uh, football championship where the quarterback on that team went to Auburn. The other receiver went to Alabama. They were a year ahead of me. So okay. when I was coming out, you know, Coach Shook Jordan was talking about, Phil Gargas was a guy named. Gargis and Newsom could be the next Sullivan to Beasley. And so they were selling me on that. So I committed to Auburn. But then, you know what, John Mitchell came up. We went to dinner. And it was just something about Alabama that was different, you know, and that's why I switched from Auburn, went to Alabama, best decision I made.
0: Talk to us about Coach Bryant. What type of coach was he? Was he hard? I mean, you're, and to this day, everybody that refers to him, nobody calls him, even the coaches call him Coach Bryant. <laughs> hard but fair. Okay.
2: You know, and the, the lessons that he, would, he taught us, from the the day we got there when we were freshmen up until we graduated from there are the lessons that I'm living right now. A lot of the principles that I believe in uh, about whether being the GM for the Ravens or being a football player for the Browns, those lessons were taught to me by Coach Bryant. They're things that you live with. He was able to take lessons that we learned from the football field and apply them to our life away from the football field. And any player that you talk to that played under him will tell you the same thing.
0: Ozzy, obviously Alabama, it was still still, even though you you came up and, and things were a little different, it was still, you know, kind of like, okay, blacks here, whites there. What? Do you, what? How did it make you feel that you go to it, you play in the stadium 80,000 and they're cheering for you, but those same ones might turn around and call you the N-word or say something out of pocket to you.
2: Well, you know what? that I talked about being able to bite your lip, uh, bite yep. your tongue, yep. knowing what battles to fight. But the one thing about it, and, and my mother and my father found out, my parents found that when you went to Alabama, you were an Alabama football player. Okay. And that separated you from everything else, <laughs> you know. And it, whether you wanted that or not, it did. You right. Know? You were, you you know, were black, were but you football. weren't really black. You know, you were an Alabama football player. That's exactly. So, you know, and I wore that crimson white, and I'd say road tie.
0: I mean, uh, you look look at this. Alabama player of the decade of the 1970s, two-time uh, uh, All-SEC 77 seven, consensus All-American, your final season. You're coming out in the draft. Obviously, you're coming out. What are you thinking? What's the process? You're like, okay, I'm going somewhere, and I'm going to be able to take care of my parents.
2: Well, y- you know uh, – it was interesting, I was coming out and I think the, the, the league was split. Some teams wanted me to play wide out and some teams told me they were gonna move me to tight end. Okay. You know, so I, I didn't know, I, I didn't you know where I was going to come in. And, and I can tell you the receivers who was in that draft are the ones that went before me. Uh, Wes Chandler, uh, James Lofton, John Jefferson, <laughs> you know,
0: okay. Hey. Uh, Ken McAfee. Hey, Ozzie. <laughs> people don't realize how good John Jefferson? How good West yes. Chandler? Uh, James Loft is right. in the Hall of Fame, but West Chandler—they yep. call him the Moon Man because he wore goggles. West yep. Chandler could run routes right of that Eric that Coriel system. They were magnificent. Yep. I understand, and JJ could catch a BB in the dark too.
2: So yeah, but that was a great group. So you know, and so hey, I get drafted by the Browns. I go in that first mini camp. I'm there, rookie mini camp. I play wideout. Okay. And. And I, I was having some success. You know, they taught me some things. But then uh, after that mini camp, we stayed over for an additional week. And uh, Rich Kotai, who ended up becoming head coach of the Jets, you know, he was my tight end coach, was the receiver right. tight end coach at that time. And he told me Sam wanted to see me. And so to go up. Sam I Ritigliano the was the head
0: coach at the time.
2: Exactly right. Yes, yeah. Sam Ritigliano, Ritigliano. So I go up and he said, hey, you proved. In this mini camp, that you can play wide receiver in this league, and you probably be a good one. He said, but "I want to move you to tight end. I think you'll be a great tight end." And he said, "Ozzy, we're gonna throw you the football when you're at tight end." Well, he well that's like,
0: all you needed to hear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's all you needed to hear. You wanted the ball. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> you, your last year at Alabama, you didn't win the national championship. That's like it's normally like a foregone conclusion. You go to Alabama, you stay 4 years. You going to win an SEC title and you going to win a national title. That's, that's that's almost like a foregone conclusion.
2: Well, uh, there's a reason why that um that team that Alabama's playing tomorrow, yeah, that I have a little bit of a hatred for <laughs> because uh we went into that uh bowl game and we played Ohio State. We beat them and uh, Texas lost and Notre Dame jumped from four to one and jumped over us and became the national champions, you know. And so I have some bitterness about that. And hopefully, Nick <laughs> Saban will use some of that again tomorrow when uh, when Alabama
0: plays Notre Dame. <laughs> some of my bitterness. I, I look at some of these great Alabama players from Derek Thomas, Barstar, Don and Joe Namath, Leroy Jordan, John Hanna, Cornelius Bennett yourself, Julio, Sean Alexander. You got a Mount Rushmore? Who's on your Mount Rushmore of Alabama players? I I think you have to start with Don Hudson. Okay.
2: You put him up there. I think you got to put John Hanna. Okay. You have to put him up there. How many do I get to put? You ain't got before. It's Mount Rushmore. Four. You got four heads. All right, well then, okay, well then I got two, right? Yes, you got With two. Hudson and, Hudson and, and Hannah. Hannah. But then you got put Newsome up there. <laughs> and then you know what? The other one would be Dwight
0: Stevenson. People don't realize how good Dwight was. He, That's right. He, he, was on, he was on the pace to be the greatest center to ever play before he got his knee blown out. He You're was exactly unbelievable. Right. He injury,
2: no question. Now you know, but they got this new generation coming up. But we got to see, you know, what their longevity is going to be, because each year we keep pumping out some new ones. But Ooh. right now, right now, you know, those four is going to be—it's going to be hard for somebody to remove one of those four off of Mount Rushmore.
0: I'm Ozzie. I'm, I'm, I'm biased. D.T. I, I've never seen a guy. I, I mean, agree, looking I understand. But yep. that DT, the way he could bend and, and bend that edge. Yep. <laughs> hey, but Shannon, um, you
2: and I didn't worry about that because he was going one direction and we were going uh, the other. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They, they they don't even hey, don't ask me to block him. I ain't got nothing for him. You got zero. No, That's why you play exactly. the left tackle with all that money and the right tackle with all that money. I'm going to catch passes. So if you exactly. try to cover me, I got him covered. But I ain't trying to block him. the <laughs> I mean, one of the things when I look at a guy like Derrick Henry, and a lot of people say, well, the running back position is uh, is 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 obsolete, and he's too big; he can't get started. Are you surprised the amount of success Derrick Henry is having?
2: Well, you know, I watched him for three years at Alabama, you know, and I remember when they recruited him to come there, you know, and yeah, we have all these phobias that we say what guys can and can't do, right? But you know what? You have to watch a guy play, you right. know, and Derrick can bend. You know, we all know that at some point, if you're an athlete and you can bend, then you're going to be able to play on this level. And you can bend. And he's got a mean, stiff arm. You know, <laughs> it, it, you, you go back to uh, Earl Cameron. You go back yes. to Chuck Moss. You know, those guys were big like that. But, you know, and you just, you know, people, were, it was Earl. But, and Chuck Monson, you know, Chuck Mossy was unbelievable. You know, he was. He was a big. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Tony Galbraith, another one. So there have been other big backs. And so Derek, and he went to a good system in Tennessee where it's a downhill system. I mean, hey, we've played him twice and we still haven't tackled him yet, you know, once he gets going in the fourth quarter.
0: Well, I, I don't know. We've seen backs like Earl was stocky. Earl was 240, but Earl was what? 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. We've never mm-hmm. seen a guy 6'4", 255, 260. Because I don't care what anybody say. They better stop to that man at 240. He's not 240, Ozzie. <laughs> and you know it too.
2: <laughs> well, uh, like I said, you know, his ability to be in his vision, and he, he's got good feet. And then the other thing is he can finish. You yes. know, he gets that in that secondary. Half of the times, guys are trying to find angles not to get there to tackle him,
0: but he can finish. <laughs> yeah, they tried to wait until he get past where so they can jump on his back because they don't want to yeah, come exactly. up to the front or to the side because all you, you mentioned the guy that's currently playing, Derrick Henry, arguably uh, the best running back, Julio. Let's talk about Julio. You know something about receivers. Where would you rank Julio? Well,
2: as a physical specimen, right at the top, you know. And I saw Julio play in high school, mm-hmm. and he was a man playing against boys, you know, when he was a 17-year-old uh, at uh, Foley High School, where he went to high school at. And, but he's a phenomenal talent. And you know, I don't know if you heard the story that uh, Demarcus Cousins got yeah. dunked on by Julio. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that says something right like there. But uh, unbelievable physical specimen, got great hands. He can, you know, you got some. You got the Marvin Harrison. You got the Steve Smiths of the world. You got some guys that can do a little of this, a little of that. Julio can do it all. He you can. know, he's just one of those things. You know, he. He's had some issues with his injuries, but when he's got his game on, you know, he can do it all. Unbelievable physical specimen.
0: I want to know who the wide receiver coach, because as big as Julio is, Julio is two and six, two and a half, six three, two thirty, And can run routes like 185 pound wide receiver. Calvin Ridley can run routes. Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith. All these guys can run the route tree. Well, you know what?
2: At Alabama, one guy recruits the next guy, you know, in uh, cause we got some young guys there right now, Devontae Smith. And, yes. you know, uh, the, the young kid that got hurt, those guys got recruited water. by the other guys. You right. know, so that's what happens. Hey, you come here, this is what's going to happen to you. You can be
0: the next one. Everybody wants to be that next one. If they go there, they can be that next one. Right. Uh, your draft, you mentioned some of the guys that were in your draft. Also in that draft, uh, Earl Campbell, James Lofton, Clay Matthews Jr., you Doug Williams. Man, yeah. I. That you guys well, that draft was loaded. Yeah, Art Steele, you know, uh, uh, with
2: the with the Kansas City Browner. Yeah, yeah, he did. Terry Miller. Yeah, it it, it was a it was a heck of a draft, you know. And uh, I rem- I got to know a lot of those guys from you know being on the different All American teams, right. you know, and and they were all a great bunch of guys, uh, you know, great people. Right. as well as good football players, you know? So, yeah, it was a it was a real good class. And, and uh, I think we impacted the league when, once we all got our chance to get on the field.
0: Ozzie, your rookie year, you're named Browns Offensive Player of the Year as a rookie. As a rookie. That never happened. That had never happened before. What, I mean...
2: Well, I I think, you know, I came in with some notoriety because I came from Alabama. And okay. people had seen me play, you know. Right. I wasn't an unknown uh, quantity when I got there. But, you know, what happened is is uh, they were struggling with the quarterback position. And they didn't mm-hmm. know where – they didn't think Brian Seid was going to be the guy.
0: Right.
2: But he had a breakout year that year, you know. Right. And, and, and you know, and so we became – you know, we started throwing the ball all over the park with myself, Dave Logan, and Reggie Rucker, you know, we had the us in the backfield. So we was throwing it all over the park. And so I just got in to be a part of that. And I put up some numbers. And I think, you know what? what a lot of people say people like what's new. And I was new. You know, and I think that's okay. how I won that award. I was new.
0: <laughs> you had some heartbreak. Um, the drive, John Elway. And then a few years later, you lose to them in Denver. What do you remember standing on the sideline watching the drive?
2: well I, I learned the lesson because you know we we had gotten ahead and and I watched John take that team down the field you know my buddy Hanford on that third and 18 I don't know why he was trying to play a seven route when he knew uh, you advanced know, Johnson whatever well, one of them little old guys that was Mark Jackson. yeah okay all right Was going running in he and I still haven't gotten over that you know, <laughs> Hanford, when I see him I remind him but you know I, I learned the lesson. We got the ball back, but we had spent our time watching that drive. That drive drained everything out of us, so when we got the ball back, we wasn't prepared to go out there and go win the game. Right. So you, I've learned, and, and I try to tell this to other people, that when you're not on the field, you need to be getting prepared to go back out there for the next series. Don't yep. be a spectator. You know, you can watch sports scene and all of that, once you get home. But you need to be preparing yourself to go because if we'd have prepared, we could have went back out there, kicked the field goal, and won the game.
0: Ozzy, uh, it's funny that you say that because I was a guy, I never stood and watched the game. I'm sitting I'm sitting down. I'm on the jumbotron because there ain't nothing I can do. All that yelling yes. screaming. is yeah, sure, I, yeah, I'm yelling from, but I'm sitting on the bench because knowing that I'm going to have to go out there and either I'm going to have to hold on to the ball to make sure they don't yep. get it again or I'm going to have yep. to go help try to win this game. uh, No question. I mean, yeah, and
2: like I said, it it was a great lesson that I learned during that time, and I've utilized that for the rest of my career.
0: Ozzy, a part of your job is not only drafting players, but sometimes you have to have tough conversations with players. Uh, Ray had to – I came in in 2000 when Ray was going through what he was going through. Uh, A few years after I left, Jamal go through something, and then you had the incident in 2014. What were some of the things that you shared with the guys – to to help especially Jamal and Ray turn not only turn their playing careers around but their lives around.
2: Well, I knew the person. You know, and I always I don't talk to the football player, I talk to the person. Okay. You know, and I deal with it and it's it's a man to man conversation. Right. You know, and you know, I'm just Ozzy, he's Ray, he's Jamal, he's Ray right. You know what, we're just talking man to man. You know, forget about my title and what you are. Then, When you can have a relationship with people and you can talk to people that way, then you can be able to say some things and they'll appreciate They may not want to hear it, but they right. will appreciate it because they can say some things back to me that I don't want to hear it. But I know it's it's something that I need to hear because that person is really unleashing all of his feelings to me. And I need to hear whether I want to or not. So it's I always said, hey, I'm gonna take my hat off. You
0: take your hat off, and we're just two men talking. Is that the toughest part of your job when you have to have those type conversations?
2: Uh, no, the big ones are not the hard ones. It's the ones that you know. It was certain guys that you know, number twenty ones that that did all the little things wrong <laughs> all of the time. <laughs> those are the ones, you know, because you be like, "Hey, dude, you need it's time for you to turn the corner." You ain't turning the corner yet, you know? So it's some little guys that keep doing those little things, not showing up, you know, sleeping in means and all of that, being unprofessional, being right. unprofessional. Those are the ones that drive you because, you know what, they are hurting themselves more so than they're hurting me, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's all of the little ones. The big ones, you know, you can deal with that because they only come, you're only going to get them
0: once every four or five years. You don't want right. them. Right. They only come once every four or five years. That 2000, 2000 you put together, did you know 2000 was, would be special? Did you know that team had the capabilities of getting to and winning the Super Bowl when you constructed that team? No.
2: No, I did not. You know, I you know, I thought we were going to be good on defense. I didn't know where we were going to be at because we started off with Tony Banks at quarterback and we had right. you know, brought in Trent, you know, you know. I think, and now we were talking, I was doing an a interview with a, a guy from USA Today today, I think he was USA Today, and he talked about the momentum that was built in the 2000 draft, you know, and the 2000, how we, all of a sudden we got momentum, and the same thing happened in 2012, you get your momentum. You know, I just think that that team grew so close together, and we had an identity. You know, we were going to play the way we were going to play on defense, we were going to do what we do on defense, on offense. And we had you in there, you know, making the plays that you have to make, like you did in, against the Raiders. You know, right. all we need was a couple of plays. You were that three-point shooter, I guess you would say. You know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but uh, no, that was a special group. It was a special group. But I think the leadership of you, Rob Wilson and Goose, took those young guys because you know Ray and Peter and all those guys and Dwayne—they were very young. Correct. But We, because of you guys. And you all had had success, had won. Y'all came
0: in and showed those guys what to do, and they followed you all's lead. Were you concerned that we went to Tampa, that Brian says, okay, I'm not going to have room check? Now, we didn't have room check all year. Were you concerned like, oh, my goodness, these jokers ain't coming in. Ain't no telling what's going to happen. I just hope they show up on Sunday.
2: (laughs) No, because I I think, again, the leadership we had, y'all had control of that. You we know, did. y'all had control. Of it. And if I could keep you guys from going out, then I knew the rest of the guys <laughs> wasn't
0: <be> going to be coming out. <laughs> that, was, that was the thing. You know what? I, I think the thing is that what I told the guys, said, look, you better look around because if you think it's going to be like this next year, it's not. Somebody's mm-hmm. going. Coaches are going to leave. Players are going to leave. <laughs> be a free agency be being big way. And you don't want to be the guy that said, man, I went to the Super Bowl. You want to be the guy that says, I won the Super Bowl. There you
2: go. Exactly right. It it was, like I said, it was the leadership of that team, but we also had guys that were willing to follow you all's leadership. That's what won it for us.
0: Ozzy, how do we get more guys like yourself in the position like you have, like you are, the black general managers, the black head coaches? Because if you look at the makeup of the league, 70% of the the players are African-American, but it's not representative in positions of coaching, position of making moves to bring players in. How do how do we change that dynamic? Well,
2: you know, I, I serve on two committees. I'm, I'm on the competition committee, which we do all of the, the major rules and yep. I'm on the workplace diversity committee. And we have a commissioner, Roger Goodell, who's committed to changing that landscape. And what we have to do is to fill the pipeline with qualified candidates, but to get those qualified candidates in front of the decision makers, right? Those guys need to be sitting in front of it and let the decision makers have that not, you know, filtering through up through the ranks or whatever it is. And they never get a chance to sit in front of Steve Bishotti or Jeffrey Laurie or Bob craft. We need to make sure that those guys get a chance to sit with those guys because those guys know how to make great decisions. So that's what we're doing. You know, we're, we're spending a, a lot of time And making sure we got the right guys, we even helping guys to you know prepare themselves to interview or prepare themselves how to. I mean, Eric the Enemy is preparing himself for all of this. So we're doing it. Is it going to change overnight? No. You know the problem is you know I have a, a little pamphlet right here, and the numbers in 1998 are just like the numbers are now. You know we haven't we haven't made a dent yet, but you know I think there are people that are committed to it, and I think we have some young guys that are qualified, that if they get in front of that right
0: person, then we can start to change those numbers. Because you hear all, excuse me, you hear this all the time, Oz, uh, 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 that the NFL is a copycat league. Well, hell, if you copycat, look at Baltimore. There's Isaac uh, Newsom that's been in charge for all these years, and they play. Look at the way his team plays. Look at the players that he's drafted. Look at the, what they do. They've only had, a, ha, only had two coaches, three coaches since, I mean, once they got Brian Billick and now they have John Harbaugh. <laughs> So in the last 20-plus years, they've only had two coaches. There's something to that. Now, if the league is copycat like we say it is, shouldn't you be copying that formula? Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, you would. But then there are some other successful people,
2: too. And right. And they, they may prefer to to copy those. You know what right. I'm talking about? That's what, that, There's some barriers that have to be broken, uh, Shannon. And uh, we're trying. We're, we're trying. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I feel good about what our effort is. Right. I don't like where we are as a league when it comes to, you know, two African-American general managers and four head coaches. That's not, that, those are not good numbers. But I'd like to have this conversation with you three years from now. And hopefully I can say we've gotten better. We've gotten better. But it'll take us three years for it to happen, I think.
0: I think when we, we talked about some of your great players. Now, obviously, Jonathan played, I think, Jonathan. I think J.O. played 11 or 12 years. He retired a Raven. Yep. Ray played 17 years, all 17 in Baltimore. Ed Reed, how difficult is it a decision when you're dealing with a historically, a transcendent player? And obviously, you want all your transcendent players to retire Ravens. How difficult was it to, like, we can't go that extra step for uh, Ed Reed or Suggs, how do how do you how do you make that decision? How do you and John Harbor and your staff sit down and say, "Guys, we've gone as far as we can go, and this is it."
2: Well, uh, let's start with uh, once a Raven, always a Raven. Okay, yes. we'll start with that. But you know what we you know what as in anything in life, you understand that there's a limit in how far you can go. And right. then, but when you fudge it a little bit, yeah. But when you have to look at the totality of what you're trying to do and build a football team, then you can only go so far. So at some point, and I've always said this, and I've said it to you when you went back to Denver, I want you to make all the money you can make. Yeah, which is all, all I can pay you. You know, if you got a chance to go make some more, go somewhere, please go. But this is all I can do, Right. Know, and I want you to do, and you know what? And we still can hug and shake hands, cuz I appreciate what you've done. But you know, you only have so many years that you can make this type of money, right? And you need to go ahead and make it if you can. And if you can't, I'm welcome you back. You are you, still part of the family.
0: And that was the thing that I remember most because I remember having the conversation that year. The Super Bowl was in and in, in New Orleans, and I remember having the conversation. And you asked me what I, you know, you asked me what I was going to do. And I asked, and I asked you. I said, What do you think? I you're like, Hell, boy, you went to the Pro Bowl. You had you led the tight ends in catches. You can still play but let's have a conversation in a couple of weeks, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where we go. And I was like, you call me, you ask me what I want to do, I say I want to play. And you say, you said say, that, uh, boy, now this is all I can pay you. Now we going to release you. Now go, hey, you get, you get some money. You're going to get more than what we can offer you. But if you don't find out what you like, come back, we can do something. And I think that's the thing that everybody loves most about you, Ozzy, because you're honest, you're upfront with them and you tell them how it is. It ain't no, well, Ozzy said this, and then somebody else said that. Whatever you say, take that to the bank.
2: Well, you know, that's relationship building because I know that I'm going to see players five years from then, 10 years from now, and I want them to be able to respect me like I respected them. And so I can want to show them the appreciation for what they did when they
0: were a member of the Ravens. You... Jimmy Smith credit you and said that the off-the-field problem that he had, he said you were one of the main reasons that helped him turn his life, his career around. I, I mean, you, you talked about said Sometimes you just have the conversation. You take your head off. They take their head off. This man to man. I'm not your boss. You're not a player. I'm a man to a man, talking to a man, trying to help resolve an issue.
2: But you know what? But within that, I got to tell you some things that you may not want to hear. Okay. some things that you need to change you know and and you know jimmy just did an extension with us today correct you know for another year you know and he he has he's a raven now you know and and so but you know there's some some tough conversations hey you you need to change you know or we gonna have to change and you know (laughs) but i know you I've known you since, you know, you were 21 years old and we, you know, went through the whole recruiting and drafting process. Right. You know, I know what's deep down inside of you and you can change. You know, and when they change, then they become more valuable in that locker room because now they can tell their stories to those young kids also.
0: You play for you, Mr. Modell, but he would go crazy if he heard us call him Mr. Modell because he said, that's my grandfather, Mr. Modell. So you, <laughs> yeah. had, to call, you had to call him Mark. Art Modell, he gave you the opportunity at the time no one else had given a person of color that opportunity to run a franchise. Talk about your relationship with Art. Uh,
2: you know, I could say it was uh, father-son. It was owner-GM. It was owner-player. It was, uh, and then I could say some negative things too, because sometimes <laughs> he wasn't as good as they thought, But, you know, but there was a trust factor that Mr. Modell had with me and that I had with him. And some of those conversations were not very easy, you know, of me saying this is what we need to do. Or he telling me we can't do that. But, you know what, I really respect him as a man. The man had a great heart. It was nothing he he wouldn't do for his players. He loved it. You know, you got these corporate owners now, you know, but, no, this was Mr. Modell's life. As a matter of fact, this office that I'm in, this is, was built for him. Right. You know, and uh, when Eric took over, he took my office, and then I moved in here, you know, and I'm proud to be sitting in that man in that man's office right now.
0: And I think that's the thing. You mentioned the, the corporate side of it because the corporate bosses are not used to being next to the, the, the workers. Well, Ozzie, uh, uh, Mr. Art looked at, the, like, oh, those are players. And I remember he yep. would always be on the golf cart. He'd always come out there on the golf cart. And you'd be yep. sitting on the golf cart with him. And then me, and me, Rod, and Hooray would come up. He's like, Ozzie, you got to get off because they can win games for me. You can't do nothing for me. So get off and let them take the golf cart. The guy, his driver would take us up to the and come back. In, and you guys would get back on the cart. But he was an unbelievable man. Do you, yep. I believe, and I've had conversation with voters, the Art Modell belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's not the only owner that's ever moved a team. There have been so no. many, and they still get no. their rightful respect. And so for some reason, he's been denied his rightful place, which is a bus in Canton, Ohio. Shannon, you're 100%
2: correct. And I was on the uh, the selection crew for the, uh, for the 100th anniversary. And, and I had to do a presentation on Mr. Modell, you know, uh, for him to be uh, a contributor. And, you know, and, and I said, and I said so, all of those things that you said, you know, because there are other owners, Al Davis moved the, the Raiders twice, you know. And, and soon in the NFL. Hall of yeah, exactly. And soon, to, so th- there he is. There is no doubt that Art Modell belongs in Ken There's no doubt in my mind, you know, and I just hope. That, you know, if we continue to push, that he will get there at some point, you know, and there is that faction that continue, don't want to give him his due. But when you match him up to all of the other owners that in the National Football League and what he did with TV and been the first, first and only president of the league, he deserves to be in can. And at some time, at some point, I hope he gets that opportunity.
0: You have a very unique relationship with coach Belichick. you became director of pro personnel under him when he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Talk about your relationship with coach Belichick.
2: Well you know it was uh, a situation where I retired in 90 and he was hired. and we had our first meeting and he asked me if, you know, do you want are you going to play again? I go, no coach, I think it's time. He said, well I, I could use you as a player. I could use your leadership in the locker room. You know what it takes. But I made that decision. But then I was fortunate enough to go to work for Bill. Bill does not get the credit, well, I guess he is getting it now, for the football knowledge that he has, it, it, the work ethic that he has, what his beliefs are. And I was able to sit there and learn from him for five years, you know. And he would push me in the areas, and I'd be like, Coach, I don't, I don't think, no. You got to do this in order for us to be a success. So I would say so much of what I have enjoyed being a general manager, I learned under Bill Belichick in those five years that we were in Cleveland. He gave me a foundation, and that foundation has helped me to be where I am today.
0: And Ozzy, but you paid it. But you, I look at what you've done. Uh, when I was in Baltimore, you had James Shaq Harris, director of pro personnel. You had uh, John Wooten, and you remember we the uh, the veteran player sat in first class in front of the plane, and me and Shaq. It was not. You already know it was <laughs> not. There was not going. No one was sleeping because we were going to talk and joke all the way back. Hey, you know what? I still
2: have those conversations with Shaq now. You know, we, we talk. <laughs> You know, once you know, once every couple of weeks. And you know, he 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 loves those times, you know, he loves to be able to tell you, you know, he'll tell you, and you know, hey, Bill Russell needs to borrow one of your hands because he's got lemon rings, you know. <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, but yeah, I love, it. but he was a great football man. And you know, I talk about what Bill taught me, but having Shaq and Woot and then Phil Savage to work along with me in those first years. Of, they helped me to learn because I needed to lean on some other people and they had the, uh, the experience and the expertise. You know, I love Shaq. You know, I love Shaq. And he'll always tell you, it's quicker by air. It's
0: quicker <laughs> by air, Shaq. That's <laughs> 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 uh, Let me ask you The, the, the recruiting process or, or the, the free agency process in 2000, why did you think you needed me? I mean, you, there, are, there are other tight ends available. You didn't necessarily need. What was it about me? My playing style, because I remember, I want you to tell the story, and then I'm I'm gonna share another story.
2: Well, you realize we got Ben Coach too that year. Yes, am I correct? Yep. Well, then we needed both of you guys, and and what we were going to be, it was you, Ben Coach, Jamal, Kadre, Pat Johnson. You know, so
0: we were gonna
2: beat up people, and then we were gonna try to strike. You know, and so we needed you. You were going to be a mismatch guy. You know, cause and Ben did all the dirty work. You know, yeah, we know that, and he enjoyed it because he was getting a chance to play and win him another Super Bowl. So it it, 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 the pieces just came together. But we needed someone that the quarterback could trust, and they could trust you.
0: I remember you had the conversation with me because uh, <laughs> I, uh, I flew back with because Mr. Modell was down there, as I mentioned, Ray was going through his situation in two thousand. And uh, Art was already in Atlanta, so I ended up flying back with him, if I'm not mistaken, that Sunday. And I remember getting to, uh, getting to the facility, and uh, you were, th- you were there, and he said, Ozzy, don't mess this up, I got him primed and ready for you now, you just don't mess <laughs> it up. And I remember you and I, we went to breakfast, next uh, uh, we went to dinner that night, we had a conversation with the breakfast the next morning, and he says, Now we're gonna do this. He says, I don't want you to change. He said, I don't hurt. Everybody done told me how you are in the locker room. You talk, how hard you work. He says, I want that exact Shannon Sharp that was in Denver for the last 10 years. I want that guy to come to Baltimore.
2: Well, yeah, Shannon, I, that's what we we allow you to be who you are.
0: You absolutely.
2: You know, We're not a cookie cutter organization where, you know, <laughs> you got to wear a tie. You got to have a sport coat. You got to walk in here and you can't talk. No, 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 no. We want every player. That be a, that's a part of the Baltimore Ravens to be who they are because if you're who you are, then it'll show itself out on the football field. It'll show itself in the meeting room if you are who you
0: are and you're not trying to be someone else. Were you ever concerned? Because, you know, in that playoff run, there was no love lost between us and Tennessee. Uh, Jeff Fisher and Brian Billick didn't care for each other. I, the, our team, our players did not like them and it's still that way to this day. And we definitely didn't like the Raiders. So were you concerned, like, man, this might be getting a little bit out of hand. They might be doing too much talking.
2: No, 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 not, not with that. <laughs> well, because y'all couldn't out-talk Brian. You know, nah. the more talking that y'all did, the more talking Brian did, you know. <laughs> and, you know, we couldn't. I couldn't keep him quiet, you know. But, no, you know what, and uh we had Steve McNair to come and play for us for a year, and we had a chance to talk about that, you know, about that rivalry that that we had with Eddie George and that whole group, and then, of course, you know, with the Raiders in that group, you know, but, you know, hey, we were built, we, we had, we were built to be able, you have to look at the quarterbacks that year. you had, McNair, Brunell, Cordell Stewart, Jeff Blake, I'm trying. So we had to have a defense because all those guys would take the ball down and go run with it. So we had to have a defense that could go track those guys down, you know, right. keep them from getting that extra first down you know, and keep a drive going. So that's how the defense would be. And offensively, you know what? Hey, with the quarterbacks that we had, you know, we had to play a game where we didn't put the game in the quarterback's hand. Right. And we needed somebody that could, you know what? The good thing about you, Shannon, and I can say this, and I don't give you too many uh, accolades, you were a quarterback's friend because they may not have to be
0: very accurate, but you would make the catch for them, So, And we needed that. That's what... <clears throat> Well, that was my job. I, I got the name Big Play Shea because we didn't need a whole lot. We knew early on, I mean, having a conversation with Brian, we knew if we could get up 10 and we yeah. didn't turn the ball over, you couldn't beat us. You were not no. going to drive the ball 70, 80 yards on that defense and get a touchdown. No. So if we got the lead no. and we and you didn't get a pick six or scoop and score, it was over. It was over. That,
2: that was, and it was so
0: enjoyable. And you know what? And that style of football still wins.
2: Watch how the playoffs play out. You know, now we got some, you know, some athletic quarterback that can do, that are doing something, but they're doing it with their feet and, and extending drives with their right. feet. But at the end of the day, you still win football games in December and January the way we won it in 2000.
0: Going into the Super Bowl, you watch film of the Giants. You saw every game they played. You watched their opponents. Did you think they could beat us? no i was i was skeptical
2: i didn't like the matchup from their standpoint you know uh but you have to play the game right you know and uh, you have to remember that uh was it was it Derrick, they had a they got a once we scored they got a pick six two yeah think. Mm-hmm. am i correct yeah. right. yep and uh so they got a holding was, call that
0: got ne- negated it
2: exactly right you know what so, otherwise, it would have been a, 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 a tie game, I think, or, or yep. close to being a tie game. Right. So, you know, that helped us. And then Jermaine, with the kickoff, gave us that, you know, he gave us that extra little push. And then that's it. I remember what Ray told you. Hey, you know, that's hey, y'all got
0: us 10. That was enough. And they went yeah, to that, work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, went, that was the thing. I mean, Ray was like, hey. I, I rem-, And talking to Mar- Marvin, I mean, that might be a yep. great – you look at the, that defensive style with Marvin Lewis, Jack Del Rio, uh, Rex yep. Ryan, uh, yep. uh, Mike Smith was on that. Uh, Mike uh, Smith? Uh, yeah. Getting – a getting, I mean, we be, go to the Raiders and we get up on – and we we score on them because we scored 7 nothing. And I remember coming to the sideline and, and Ray and Rod, like, we going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, what you mean we're going to the Super Bowl? Man, this is the first quarter. They ain't no, don't <laughs> Super Bowl. He's like, hey, they're not scoring. I'm like, well, are we going to the Super Bowl, they come in. We might not See, I'm just glad there. you didn't get caught, man. I'm glad you didn't that, get caught. They couldn't catch me, man. You know, I turned them <laughs> bowls on them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you, you look, you've been around the game a long, long time. Where would you rank that 2000 Ravens defense? You, we know about the 70, the 70, I think, what 77, 78, 79 Steelers. We know about the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the 02 Bucks, the uh, what, what is it, the 14 the, or the 2012. Uh, uh, Legion of Boom, Seattle, where would you rank as far as all-time great defenses? Where would you put that 2,000 Ravens? Well,
2: you know, if, if you, you go by Hall of Famers, you have to dip, say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. I think they got maybe five or six Hall of Famers. All on, of them are the defense.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, as I said, as you and I talk about, you know, the, the tight end group, they all belong on the cul-de-sac. You know, yeah. you, you know you a cul-de-sac, there's only so many houses and so many people can go on that cul-de-sac. You Correct. know what? You know, so they all belong on there. Uh, you know, I experienced uh, the the 70s with the Steelers and, and those guys and what they could do with me, Joe, and Elsie Greenwood and do I mean, you know, and
0: Mel Jack Blunt, Hamm Lambert, Lambert
2: Ham. Mel Blunt, I mean. You know, I still got pains from that. But, you know, hey, but those defenses that you talked about, they are, and the 85 Bears, I played against that defense also. We, I'm going to put them all on that cul-de-sac. You know what? And then if I have to choose which house I want to live, I don't think I'll be wrong by choosing any one of them.
0: The quarterback in today's game, you look at the way they could do this kid, Patrick Mahomes, and the way he can throw the ball with his uh, rolling left or rolling right. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Josh Allen. Are, are we entering the golden age of the mobile quarterback? That Because when you say mobile quarterback, it used to be he was mobile, but he couldn't throw. Or the pocket passer could throw from the pocket, but he couldn't move. These guys have elevated that so they can throw from the pocket and they can throw on the move. Uh,
2: they're athletes. Josh Allen, he's an athlete. Patrick Mahomes, an athlete. We have athletes playing quarterback. And an athlete can do multiple things. Okay. You know, that, you know, you, you you got your eight things you want. They can do eight of them. They can do seven of the eight. And so, you know, it is we're in an era of the athlete playing quarterback. We're no longer with the statues and the different things that was happening during our time and before our time. Now the athlete, that athlete who started off when he was six and seven and eight years old playing quarterback, being an athlete, is now an athlete that's playing quarterback in the National Football
0: League. Uh, Your last Super Bowl, the two, the the miracle run in in 2012, Uh, that was unbelievable because you go on the road. Now you go beat the Broncos who had just blown you out like three weeks before and you lose, I think the Houston Texans, they take you apart. Did you think like, man, I, I don't know, What did you think you could get it together in time to make a run?
2: Well, you know what, and and, and I can say this, and and Ray has a big part of it. We lost uh, in New England in the finals in the uh, AFC Championship game year before, where we had to drop pass by I think Lee Evans. Lee Evans, we missed a field goal. But you know what, and Ray got up in that locker room and he goes, "You know what, God don't make no mistakes." That's what he said. You know what, I go. That's right. You know what? We, we wasn't supposed to win. So we go to that next year. And Joe gets hot. You know, Joe gets hot in the playoffs, you know. And once Joe got hot, then I think that it ignited everyone else, you know. the And Jacoby started, everybody started to play at a level above who they really were. But right. it was Joe that was the catalyst.
0: I read where you said. You admire Phil Jackson and how he's able to, to win, but also win with like the, the, you know, when you, when you in this game, you got egos. I don't care what anybody yeah. tell you. People like, well, this guy don't have no ego. Bull jive. The better you are, the bigger the ego that you have. Yes. How you say you, 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 you admire Phil because he had Shaq and Kobe, he had Michael and Scotty. What is it about him that, that you admire so much?
2: Well, number one, he, he managed some of the greatest players to play in the NBA. He met and he molded those guys into a team and he made winning the most important thing. Right. That's why I admire him, you know, and he did it at two different places. He made winning. Okay, yeah, we got Michael and we got Scotty and, you know, and we got a lot of, you know, he he, made, he got those guys that say the most important thing is winning. You know, we need to win. So that's why I admire him. Then he go and does it again with the Lakers. So I admire his ability to mold young men into a team and have one goal,
0: and that's winning. How much more difficult is your job made by social media? Because, obviously, when you played, there was none of that. When I played, there was none of that. It wasn't about clicks. It wasn't about like. It wasn't about TikTok. It wasn't about, you know, doing everything for show. You went out there and you played hard, and then you let the chip fall where you may. But it seems like now everybody wants to record everything. I'm studying my plays. I'm watching film. I'm at practice. I'm washing my car. Shannon, uh, times
2: have changed. <laughs> you, know, and you have to let the players understand that it's different now. You know, and what you think you can do and people won't see it. They, 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 got, they got ways of seeing you. So right. don't do it. You know, just don't do it. And so that's what you have to be able to tell them. You know, and I don't understand Instagram and Facebook and I'm not on any of all that. I got no idea what that, but I know they are. That's what their life is all about. Right. And so you have to, we have to educate them on that. Just like you and I got educated about going to clubs. right? You know, or what, what neighborhood. So you, we spend time educating guys on, on social media so that they can understand how bad it could be not only for them, but for our organization and for their families, you know? So we have to educate them on that. And we have people that are professionals that do it.
0: Uh, I appreciate you taking time out today. I know you're busy. You got the big plush office now. Congratulations, Vaughn. You know, I'll be in touch with you. You know, I call from time to time, just to, just to ask how the second or third best tight end in the history of the game is doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey Shannon, always welcome your calls, man. You know, I enjoy Watching you and my man on uh, on first not first take. What's yours? Uh, undisputed. Your
0: show? Undisputed.
2: Und- yeah, the undisputed. You know what? Well, sometimes I can sit there and listen to you, you know. But then sometimes I go, no, I don't had enough of Shannon today, you know. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you ha-
0: know but you know what? You know what? Go ahead.
2: You are doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're talking. You know. I you appreciate were born that. To ta- I'm sure your grandma and your granddaddy told
0: you that, boy. You can talk. Yeah, that's what they told me. Say, well, yeah, you you can do that. But I need you. And Kevin Byrne and Steve Bichotti to get in the room because I, I think at some point in time, I might need to be in the Ravens ring of honor. I really do. I, I, think, I think I made a big, valuable contribution. I think y'all need to put get that in line. To the Get in line. in
2: <laughs> line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before I go, I know uh, I think on the 28th or the 29th of January, they're going to have a, a, a virtual reunion okay. of that Super Bowl team. You know, So I'll see you on that uh,
0: virtual thing then, okay. So what that'll be? Oh, it's the twenty. It's the twentieth anniversary. The twenty eighth or
2: the 29th
0: of January. Yeah, yeah. it's the twentieth anniversary of the team.
2: Yes, yeah, and they want they gonna have a virtual party, you know, for for two and a half hours.
0: Uh, so you get an invitation. Y'all, y'all sending food out I of me? Mean, what y'all said? I mean, I need to get somebody to jacket or something. I, you know
2: what? I don't work in that department. You know. <laughs>
0: I appreciate it, man. Good luck the rest okay. of the season and I'll talk to you down the road, bro.
1: Okay, man. Have a good one. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice. Got to roll the dice to swap. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice. Got to roll the dice to swap. All my life, I've been grinding all my life.